You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. You know, I'm all for sell the team signs, and I'm a big fan of sell the team t-shirts. And we can make sell the team t-shirts. I'm sure they would they would sell like hotcakes here. And, and maybe they, they'd sell faster than the team will get sold, that's for sure. <laughs> but here's the thing. Nothing's going to happen. No matter how many t-shirts you wear and how many signs you put up in the ballpark, Jerry Reinsdorf ain't leaving until they, they wheel him out in, in a casket or... On a, on a gurney on his way to be put in a casket. Like, that that man isn't leaving till he dies, I don't think. And I don't wish death upon anybody, and I think it's wrong to do that. But the way I feel as a White Sox fan at this point, especially looking back over 40 years of Reinsdorf being the owner and only one pennant, which luckily came with a World Series championship, not very many playoff appearances, and the debacle that has been the last couple of years, especially when he hires Tony La Russa, who's the wrong manager for this team, and then wouldn't fire him in season. And I believe this team could have actually turned itself around. I mean, you might think I'm crazy, but it couldn't have done any worse if you would have just bounced that guy out halfway through the year like every other Major League Baseball team. Maybe it has no effect, but you don't even try. I am convinced, convinced, that... We're now sitting in a in a holding pattern much like Blackhawk fans had for a long time, right? You're waiting for Dollar Bill Wirtz to go away. And when he did, there were people who came back who had sworn off the franchise because they didn't like the owner. And luckily, the right son took over in terms of at least winning championships. They had a lot of other mess going on in there. But in terms of winning championships, the right son gets in there, Rocky changes the culture, and something good happens. And I think a lot of White Sox fans are at that point. We're like, all right, cool. I'm ready for the next ownership group. I don't know if we're going to get that. I don't know what happens afterwards. There's no guarantee when Reinsdorf goes, anything changes. And I don't know who comes in after that and what happens with this team. But at this point, I've lost faith in ownership. And I think it's fair for fans to walk around the ballpark with big sell the team signs like we saw over the weekend. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the signs are great and the sentiment is there. And and you're right. You, you hit it right on the head. It's it's dollar bill where it's all over again. But, you know, the, the thing that I, I the thing that I'm drawn to and, and that I, I kind of wonder if if this is in him somewhere, if this is in Jerry in some fashion or way, shape or form. But he's also the owner of the Bulls, right? And Michael Reinsdorf is the one that actually runs that team. So you got the kid running it. It's kind of the Rocky Wirt situation over there. But they were able to, now a couple of years ago, clean house of the family, right? John Paxson, Gar Foreman were longtime guys of of the Reinsdorfs. And and Paxson is, is that beloved player, right? He's that... That guy that won you three championships that that had the cult hero status, you know, and, and as fans, we all we all have these positive memories of Pax. But he was able to let go and he was able to bring in, you know, a new president. He was able to bring in uh, you know, a new GM. And he was able to do these things, and you just kind of sit there and you go, okay, but can you do that when it matters with the White Sox? Can you can you look at Rick Hahn dispassionately? Can you look at Tony LaRusso dispassionately and sit there and say, 
I owe Tony a lot from back in the day, and maybe I did him dirty 40 years ago by letting Hawk fire him. But I want to, you know, I want to venerate this guy. I want to not embarrass him. But I understand a business decision. This man needs to go. I, you know, when we invested in Rick Hahn, we thought he was one of the smartest guys in baseball. And at the time, he was a hot prospect for other teams. And we didn't want to lose what we thought Rick Hahn's vision and ability was going to be and wanted to keep him in the family, right? So we bumped up Kenny and we bumped up Rick Hahn. Can, can Jerry do this, though? And can he, can he, with the White Sox, have that same dispassion that Michael Reinsdorf had with the Bulls where he literally let one of the team's legends go out of a position because he sucked at it because John Paxson had driven the team into a laughing stock in the NBA where nobody wanted to sign there. Nobody wanted their money. Nobody took them seriously. And now at least they have their reputation is on the rise again. They're still not great, but you know, there's at least something there where, where people look at it and go, all right, the bulls are a basketball franchise again. This episode of socks in the basement brought to you proudly by family waterproofing solutions, Boeing walls, window wells, foundation crack repair, some pumps, gutter cleaning, yard draining systems, and concrete going up and down. That is a foundation issue. They're going to take care of all of it and more. Family and veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013. They've won multiple awards. And if you mention Socks in the Basement, you get money off. Give them a call 24-7 at 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. You left Kenny Williams off that list. And I want to applaud you, though, for starting to compare Jerry Reinsdorf's White Sox to the Chicago Bulls, because that's what Jerry's got to start thinking about. I want to appeal to him a little bit. I I don't think he listens to this show. He probably hates this show. I've been trying to put myself into the brain of a billionaire, right? I mean, he's got so much money that he couldn't spend it all if he tried right now. He couldn't get rid of it if he tried as hard as he could to get rid of it it would be virtually impossible to do. Like, he's got to understand that there is mortality and it's coming soon. His legacy at this point is not what his yes-men inside of the building tell him it is. You can put all the packages you want to together and the glad-handing yes-men who have kept their jobs in that building for far too long, they'll tell him, Jerry, you're the best and everybody loves you. But I want him to see that sign. I want him to understand that when he's gone, he will not be regarded by the fan base as being a good Major League Baseball owner. He has failed in many ways. He has had a team in a major market that had the ability to do far greater things than it accomplished because he did a poor job putting the right guys in place. He didn't hold people accountable and he kept the family together. And you look at the disaster that the Bulls were and how things have turned around since they started making business decisions. If Jerry Reinsdorf wants to be remembered well, and I would think that's what I would want, no matter how much money was there, all that's really left when you're gone is legacy. All that's really left is your name. Do you have a good name? Do people actually sit there and say, legacy-wise, do I I admire this person? Does his name live on? Does he inspire people? Will he get a statue after all the statues he built? Because trust me, he won't be the decision maker on that. And eventually the team will be in the hands of somebody else. And then they're going to actually look at him through the, the proper, the proper view. And I don't think he deserves one out there just for being around for a long amount of time in one world series. I don't think so. 
So eventually the people that you put in the place to preserve your name, they're going to go and somebody else is going to sit back and look at it. And it isn't going to be very good unless, of course, you start making the proper decisions. You need to clean house. You need to clean house from top to bottom. It'll never happen. I'm not one of these people that believes it could happen. I know it's not going to happen. I this is this team has been maddening for ever since he took it over in how he hires his friends and how he keeps people around in the wrong positions and how people just kind of slip through the cracks and a job that they probably should have had for about three years turns into 30. He's got a couple of people over there to know what they're doing and a lot of other people that don't. And the, and there's a lot of qualified people that go in the door there and they leave after a year or two because they go, I don't want to be in this clown show. I know a lot of people that have spent a year or two inside of that building and they laugh about their time there and how ridiculous some of the things are inside of that front office and in the inner workings of the White Sox. I, I have yet to meet somebody who I was on a level of as a friend or a colleague or somebody who wasn't towing the company line and still employed with them who has positive things to say about how things are run in that building. It's time for him to take care of his legacy. You got plenty of money. And I'm not even asking you to spend very much more money than you are on your team. You had a high payroll this year, but your general manager made terrible decisions. Your team president, I don't know what he does. And you got to hold him responsible because he's just as responsible as your general manager. All these people below you have done a terrible job and it's time to remove them from the team president to the general manager, to the manager of the team, to the hitting coach that has somehow sucked all the power out of this team. And I hate blaming a hitting coach, but man, it is hard to not look at these statistics. And we're going to get into them here in a moment on a couple of players and ask a question that's floating around on social media about one White Sox player and whether or not he should be back next year. But there is so much going wrong with this team. It is not going to get fixed by just waiting 34 days. I'm sorry, 34 games. And hopefully the last 34 games I'll ever see him do it until Tony LaRusso is no longer the manager of this team. Hopefully in 34 games, we're done. That's if they play all of them. If they if they don't get all their games in, then there'll be less games. But I see it as like the final countdown. There's This, this is it. I know he's got to go. There's a lot more things that need to happen inside of that organization, and hopefully it will happen this offseason. The place on the south side to go to when you are looking for anything from diabetes control to CPAP machines to a bathroom retrofit. If you're looking for high-quality medical equipment and local folks that are going to stand there and talk to you in their big, beautiful showroom and walk you through all the options, work with the insurance company, give you a discount when you mention socks in the basement, and do everything from outdoor ramps and indoor chairlifts to spare oxygen tanks for you or your loved ones. It's all about staying independent and in the home. Hyatt Home Medical Equipment, located on the south side, is there for you. Check out all they have to offer at hhme.com or stop in. Again, mention Socks in the Basement. You're going to get a discount on top of all the money they're going to save you working with the insurance and the great prices they already have. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. On the phone line with us right now with a little corn in the basement. I mean, what the heck? It's all we got to watch these days, the way that this season has taken a turn at the very end. Michael Suero from Saxon 35th. Michael, take it away. Thanks, Chris. Uh, 
Chris. Yeah, it's times like this where I'm happy that I'm the one that's covering the minor leagues instead of the actual White Sox this year. It has been brutal, let me tell you. Uh, so a prospect that I want to hit on today is a guy we signed back in 2017. It was never really a big name that we signed, and it took him a few years. He's always kind of had some good raw tools, but never really been able to put it together. He has been the guy that's somewhat been on the rise, Hasn't been talked about a lot, but he's a, a prospect to keep an eye on, and his name is Luis Mises. He is a right field prospect, left-handed bat. He's got some pretty good raw power, good arm in the outfield. He's got a big frame at 6'3", 200 pounds. He is kind of everything that teams look for in that prototypical right field prospect. Things finally started to click for him last year, and he's had a very good season this year in high A Winston-Salem. He has hit uh, for a batting average about 280, uh, OPS of 770. He's hit 12 home runs and also led the South Atlantic League in doubles with 34. And he is a prospect that actually was called up for this Project Birmingham initiative. And his first stint in double A has been pretty successful. Obviously, it's only been five games. In his first five games, he is hitting 500 with an OPS over 1,200. He's got a home run and two doubles in those five games. He's really been showing off his skills lately, and it's good to see this guy. They've been committed to his development for several years now. It's good to see it finally start to pan out. Hey, look at that. We found positive White Sox news. Michael and every guest of Sox in the Basement is brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore, and learn what's going on this weekend and beyond at lamontdowntown.com. Uh, the big talk of the day on social media is do we keep Jose Abreu? Uh, we've reached a point now where most fans have accepted something that I accepted about a month ago, maybe maybe two months ago. I might have I might have known it for a while. You and I had conversations. I was like, if I go on Saxon Basement and tell people this is over in June, I'm going to sound like a jerk. But it just felt that way to me, like all year end. But <laughs> you know, like, like I was like, man, if I, if I really, I remember I told my dad, I was like, ah, I'm about to go on and tell everybody that this team can never win with Tony Larusa, and uh, we're we're doomed this year. And he's like, it's May, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, he's like, you're being too negative. Like that's how I felt. I felt that way the whole year. It's been brutal just trying to find positives while I'm doing the show. Oh, it's been impossible some night. Some some weeks, you and I sit here, we probably spend more time talking about whether or not we have anything positive to say than we do actually recording the show sometimes right. because we can't we literally are sitting there like, oh God, are we being too negative? Right. Well, is there anything positive we could talk about? Uh well, Hailstorm's gonna have Oktoberfest and uh <laughs> like that's what we got. I mean, like, here's the thing. The, the fan base is finally catching up to how the feeling of dread that I've had most of the year. And I, I've had it. And, you know, I've, I've already gone through probably more stages of grief than most White Sox fans. So I might be a little ahead of you because I kind of accepted this a while ago. All right. I've been just trying my hardest to not let on that I've already kind of accepted what was going to happen this year. But I think a lot of fans are going through their stages of grief with this team at this point. And I think I'm now seeing people have conversations that you and I have touched upon over the last month or so. And one of them was Jose Abreu. What do you do with Jose Abreu? What's your first instinct when I say $20 million coming off the books? Do you want to go out and re-sign him? Well, my first instinct at this point, to be perfectly blunt, is Jose Abreu is no longer the White Sox to do with because I think that there is a chance that Jose saw a listless, lifeless, 
team. This is, I mean, the antithesis of Jose Abreu, right? The guy who is the ultimate professional, the ultimate hard worker, the ultimate example for how young players are supposed to do it. And he had to put up with this team all year long. And you think it was frustrating watching it? Imagine being the leader of it, okay? And having to, and having to watch your teammates sometimes just do things that I have to rankle him, and he's too much of a pro to call people out. But I I could very easily see him looking at this and saying, all right, the most I'm going to give the White Sox in terms of a concession is not necessarily on money. I won't sign a deal until Rick Hahn has made it clear or Jerry Reinsdorf has made it clear or Kenny Williams has made it clear. Whoever is going to make it clear that this is not going to be the same White Sox culture in 2023 as it was in 2022. Well, then it wouldn't be any of those guys. I wouldn't trust any of those guys. You, you, He needs to see a new face that walks in. 100%. And maybe it's as simple as him saying that, okay, you know, he'll he'll resign if if Tony is and that coaching staff changes. Maybe it's something like that. But I really honestly do think that, you know, if you're a White Sox fan, you better steal yourself for the idea that Jose Abreu is not going, it's not going to be a pretty negotiation in the offseason where you're going to be able to sit there and blame Rick Hahn for not offering him enough money. You're going to get the Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn, you know, well, we made a really good, fair offer. In fact, we, we made one of the highest offers. But Jose is going to go somewhere where he feels like the team is going to match his intensity and give him an opportunity in his late 30s to win a championship because that's what he has left. I think you're right. I think you're right. People assume that he's coming back as long as the White Sox want him. I don't know if he's very happy. I wouldn't assume that. I I just I if I, as a fan, I am fully prepared that this guy is going to walk away from the team and not in a very pleasant, nice, gee, I wish it could have worked out kind of a way, but more in a nope. I felt like this gave me the best chance to win. It's going to be something where he thinks he can win and he might actually make a comment about it. It's completely possible. I don't know. I mean, it, wouldn't that be a shock to the whole family atmosphere where they think that, well, as long as we're all real close and tight, he'll take a discount, we'll keep him forever, and it and it's not even like that in the offseason. Let me just give you a couple of, just one quick note here. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I looked at Jose Abreu's splits, and he did something that he only did recently in 2020. He did it. In 2022, it was something that we thought was just an anomaly in 2020. He hit both left-handed pitching and right-handed pitching well, basically equally well. He did that in 2020 in his MVP season. He did it this year, at least to this point. If you look at his splits, normally there's a big difference, right? Like he eats up left-handed pitching and then he's a little below average with the right-handed pitching, but he's so good against left-handed pitching that it makes a difference and it brings up all those overall numbers. He was pretty close. The thing that really bothers me, though, is the lack of power. And that's across the entire team. And that's something that needs to be addressed in the offseason. And the same people can't be in place. Because whatever the philosophy was, even if the philosophy was some crazy thing that I floated in a recent episode where I pointed out, you know, they they needed to get more base hits against the Astros. So maybe they changed their entire philosophy to swing early right? Swing often. They have a terrible chase rate. I think MLB now just put that out. They're like one of, they're in the bottom five for chasing balls out of the zone this year. They're one of the worst power teams in baseball across the board. Everything that they do at the plate is completely the opposite of what they used to be in the last couple of years. There's been some sort of change for, for all these guys collectively to be doing this, something happened and they need to get to the bottom of that. But when I extrapolate out 
Jose Abreu's home runs. And I put him up against the three guys that I know are the three best hitters if I take Jose Abreu out of the conversation. And that's Luis Robert, Andrew Vaughn, and Aloy Jimenez. If I look at Jimenez, and I look at Vaughn, and I look at Robert, if they played 162 games this year at the rate that they've hit the ball out, all three of them come up with about 21 home runs this year. None of that is acceptable, but that's where they're at. Jose Abreu's played more games than them. When you extrapolate him out, 18 for the year. He's down more, even on a team that's not hitting a lot of home runs. He is sliding a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that's why I don't bring him back. I'm just saying that what you're saying tells me it's possible that he doesn't even want to come back or he picks something else. And secondly, when you bring him back, if you're bringing him back for any extended amount of time outside of a one-year deal or two-year deal, you are setting yourself up for a problem because eventually every player drops off a little bit. I think he's a great hitter. I would not be upset if he came back. I'm not saying that I don't want him back on the team, but I don't think it's wrong to start having the conversation of what if he's not on the team next year. No, it's absolutely not wrong to to, to have that conversation, and you're right. And, because that's, again, getting back to a drum I keep beating, which is that this is not as young a team as we were led to believe this point in the rebuild the team would be. Because Jose Abreu, A.J. Pollock, there are guys on here who are in their mid to upper 30s. There are guys like Yasmani Grandal who age faster because of the position they play, or guys like Lance Lynn who have injury histories that seem to be coming back to bite them a little bit. So now when we have that to contend with and you sit there and you say, Jose Abreu, this guy is a preparation machine. And Jose Abreu, this guy is a workout machine and a hitting machine. And he just does all of these things because he's such a, a hard guy all the time in terms of his philosophy and his go. To watch him fall off on power, even if it's a shift change in mentality by Frank Menachino, you also have to worry about the fact that at some point, a guy gets older and his power just drops. We saw it with Paul Canerico. Remember, he was a 40 home run guy at the peak when they're winning the World Series. And one of the things that fell off was his ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And suddenly, you know, some of those hits, instead of being home runs or doubles off the wall, they're just fly balls to the warning track. I love Jose Abreu being on the team. Uh, I want him back if if it's at all possible. I think there needs to be other changes around the lineup that, help that but we can't discount the idea that if you try and give this guy a five-year deal that three out of those five years are going to be just an absolute disaster financially for what you're going to get back for what you're paying I was just out the Hailstorm Brewing on Thursday I'm looking forward to their Oktoberfest that is happening on the 24th and the 25th of September. Socks in the Basement is going to be out there on the 25th on that patio. They got the big tap room. They got the outdoor patio with the fire pit. They got live music on the weekends and trivia nights and all kinds of fun events. And I just tasted their brand new Oktoberfest and it is good. It is really good. It's a banger as well. It's over 6%. It is going to be a fun night out there on either one of those nights. Actually, during the day as well. It's full day thing on Saturday and Sunday, the 24th and 25th of September. Located in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Get out and see their large selection of craft beers. Check out all that they're doing on their Facebook page daily at Hailstorm Brewing Co. And see everything they have in their lineup of beers and more at hailstormbrewing.com.
When you bring up Yasmani Grandal going into his last year of his contract next year, think about how the team was set up by the general manager. Think about how this would have been Dallas Keuchel's last year next year. And when he was signed, everybody had it in their mind. Like, yeah, we're probably not getting a very good player in the last year. You're buying the first few, right? And the same thing for Grandal. Like, even when they signed a deal with Grandal, I was like, ah, probably going to drop off. Like, 2023 was always a year that you could circle and say, there's going to be decline. There's going to be a Breus free agent year. Like, what, what was the plan? Because you would think there'd be some sort of plan. Like, there had to be preparation years ago when you were putting this together to, well, when we get to 2023, there's going to be have to be at least a little retooling, or we're basically punting that one, putting our cards in in 2022, and then hopefully coming back again in 2024. You know, like like 2023 was going to be the back end of some of these deals. You already moved on from Keuchel. You got the end of Grandal. You got Abreu at the end of his free agent year. It's a little weird because it doesn't feel like that they anticipated that as much as we anticipated it. Uh, MLB now on, um, on the MLB network, did a feature on the White Sox, which was great because they they ripped the team terribly. They nailed them down, and and they put up some interesting stats. And if you missed it, um, just some of these things just, they blow my mind, but it tells you why they're so bad. Like, they probably should be worse than what they are right now in the standings. 4.2 runs a game, 21st in baseball. 28th in baseball home runs per game. 28th in baseball. And then you're like, well, that's because they're putting the ball more in play, trying to hit singles. They're only middle of the road, 15th in Major League Baseball in their contact percentage because they reach outside the zone so much. There's only one team worse than them on their on their chase metric where they're reaching outside the zone. And their walks, lowest in Major League Baseball, only walking 6.5% this season. Are you shocked now when you think about how bad the offense is when you hear stats like this as we're about to walk into September? And their defense is terrible absolutely atrocious. Their defensive run saved is tied for 24th in Major League Baseball. So they can't hit. They can't hit for power. They can't catch or throw the ball. They're brutal. And they have like one of the easiest remaining schedules coming up and nobody believes that they can make it into the postseason. They, they were laughing about it on the show. Just like I think how most White Sox fans are kind of like giggling whenever when somebody says, we still have a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. Nobody believes that. Okay, like I, I keep waiting for the I keep waiting for the White Sox postseason email. They, you know, they have it. They don't know. Should we send it? Should we just ignore it? Maybe we should just ignore it. God, the backlash is going to be really rough on that day when we send that one out. You mentioned those stats and, and what clicked in my mind, and I don't think I had really framed it this way until just now. The way they approach, try to get on base, keep the line moving single the other team to death, high contact, high on base. Sounds an awful lot like Tony's heyday with some of those Cardinal teams and some of those A's teams, right? Where they were not necessarily power laden up and down the lineup. So you had a lot of guys trying to set up a couple of crushers. Tony doesn't have that lineup. He's got all the crushers. He's got a bunch of dudes that are going to be three true outcome guys for the most part that are going to hit doubles and home runs and they're going to strike out a ton. So he's trying to get from the parlance of like what he had when he was winning World Series, he's trying to get a team of Jose Canseco's to hit like a team of Ricky Henderson's. And we heard James Fox on this last uh, episode. I think he was on the last show that we did or two shows ago. And uh, he jumped on. If you missed it, go back and listen. Every episode of Socks in the Basement is available anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. But he did bring it up and we saw James Fegan bring it up in some articles that Tony La Russa despises 
strikeouts. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of articles that have come out from some of the beat reporters, and you're seeing these little kernels being left that basically this could be a team philosophy. And again, you could question his in-game management, which is awful. You can question whether or not he can stay awake for an entire game. You can question whether or not he even has his finger on the pulse of his own clubhouse. And I think all of those things are fair to question because I think the answers are all in the negative there. But then you also need to start questioning, what did he do to this team in his second season trying to tell them, we're going to do it my way? And look at this. Has to go. 34 games left. They play all 162. And then I never want to see him again. Ever. I don't even want to see him at an alumni event. Just take your stuff and leave, all right? I, 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 34 games. It, it better not be any more than that. I, I, it has to be done. It has to be done quickly. Your fan base is just done. Make the decision quickly after the season is over, all right? And then a lot more decisions, and it's on Jerry Reinsdorf, Ed. Jerry Reinsdorf needs to protect his legacy. His legacy is damaged severely. I've never been a big fan I've constantly questioned why people say he's a great owner in the city of Chicago. He might have done, uh, might have gotten six championships with the Bulls, but Michael Jordan was on that team, and that's great. But as a baseball owner, terrible. Great philanthropist, terrible baseball owner. Okay, and we're getting towards the end of his career in Chicago. Okay, time stops for everybody at some point, Jerry. It's time for you to protect your legacy and clean house down at 35th and Shields. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.